Hello and welcome to Legal Thinking with myself, Ed Wooten, and my co-host, Liam Pape. Hello. How are you doing today, Liam? I am not too bad at all. Um, as avid listeners will have noticed, we had we had another break last week so we could recuperate. I was on annual leave. I think you were on annual leave for a bit. And now we're back, fresh, and, and, and yep. ready to discuss some more legal things yeah, yeah. So this uh, this week we picked a few stories that our uh, members of our firm have been talking about on our website. Um, some very interesting legal topics, um, including stuff to do with divorce, um, uh, data tracking for the um, people in social care, uh, disability legislation as well. Um, uh, and yeah, I assume you've got something, Liam, as well. But um, shall I shall I kick off, Liam, with my first one? Yes. Why not? Fantastic. So. <clears throat> Uh, we had something in the last few weeks about uh, mudslinging in relation to divorce. Now, as you know, um, we talk a lot about divorce on this podcast and no-fault divorce and amicable divorce, trying to you know make sure that divorce is uh, as friendly as possible at what is a difficult time. Our solicitors like uh, Jane Martins come on and talks about how um, obviously emotion can run high, but it's very important to ensure um, that things you know don't get heated um, as something... Uh, in the recent case of um, WC versus HC, um, introductory remarks by the judge made, uh, you know, re- reference to um, the wife's statements. It contained a number of personal and prejudicial matters directed at her ex-husband, uh, which were irre- irrelevant and unlikely to affect the outcome of the case. Now, um, the author of this blog rightly makes the point um, that it's a common misconception that bad behavioural or moral indiscretions have any ref- relevance or influence on the division of marital assets. Now, you know. Um, it's 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 obviously a difficult time, so it's very very useful to have this insight. It's a common misconception. We've covered a lot about the yeah. um, emotional challenges of divorce um, in the past with uh, pe- people like Jane Martin's um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, divorce coach uh, Claire Black and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's something that keeps coming up, isn't it, Liam? And it's very important to to fix um, and. Yep. Our next uh, story, because I'm just going to move swiftly on just for the sake of time. Um, our next story uh, comes from Fran Tremere um, and Sas- Sasha Bridgen, um, who have written about uh, the fact that the Department of Health and Social Care have published information about the mandatory data to be provided via the capacity tracker um, from 31st of July. So that was Sunday, just gone. Now, the capacity tracker is is, is something about that tracks, um, obviously, capacity, but also vaccination and, and, and staffing within care homes. So it's really important for uh, social care providers um, to know that this data needs to be provided. Um, and they got some important dates uh, in there and information breaking down what needs to be provided and everything like that. So it's definitely well worth going on to info hub and having a look at that if you're in the field of social care, uh, because the month first uh, monthly day is due by the 14th of this uh, month of August. Um, so yeah, um, lots lots of information in there for people in in the social care sector. Definitely uh, encourage people to check that out. And then moving on, yet again uh, to another uh, story that's been, I'm sure, in the news um, a fair bit. Uh, but there was a recent employment tribunal case in Scotland um, where the tribunal was asked to determine whether uh, an employee with long COVID um, was disabled under the law, uh, effectively. So um, whether he had been discriminated against by his employer um, 
because of the long COVID that he suffered. So Chris Amos uh, in our employment team had a look at this, uh, the case of Burke v Turning Point Scotland. Um, and he'd been employed by Turning Point as a caretaker for almost 20 years, tested positive for COVID in November 2020. Um you know, had many issues on his return to work as a result of long COVID. Um, and the tribunal eventually found that Mr. Burke had a physical impairment caused by COVID-19, which had an adverse effect on his ability to carry out normal day-to-day activities, such as cooking, ironing, walking to nearby shops, sleeping, concentrating for any length of time. And the effect was more than minor or trivial and was long-term as it was likely to last at least 12 months. So the tribunal therefore determined that his long COVID amounted to a disability. Now, for employers, um, it's it's interesting uh, because uh, we all know that long COVID. I've seen other posts by many uh, solicitors on the topic of long COVID. Um, it's it's becoming more prevalent. Everyone knows that there's quite a few people being affected by it. So it's well worth understanding for employers um, that this kind of case uh, can arise. So. And stuff like this is going to be an ongoing story as well. I mean, I was reading yep. the news last week that um, they've just classified some more um, kind of symptoms um, as official symptoms of long COVID. And it is things more than just like kind of respiratory, um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Ailments? Yeah. And it is things more than just respiratory ailments. It, it's things kind of that, that you, you wouldn't necessarily associate with COVID or especially uh, the COVID that we were thinking about in, in 2020 and the way that presented itself. So this is something that employers um, especially just need to keep their eye on. So I've got one star view as well. And uh, this is from a publication called The Bookseller, uh, which our private client team has done some writing for. The piece is essentially about how writers throw that much into their work with years of sweat blood, toil and tears. Um, so a little bit like everybody, they just need to be thinking about their estate planning. And of course, with uh, authors, anything that they write is uh, copyrighted for 70 years after they pass away. Um, but I think a lot of authors won't realise the options that are open to them when it comes to estate planning. Uh, so this is something that we've written about uh, and I'd highly recommend that you go take a read and that's on the bookseller. So for example, one of the things that's explored in the piece is that um, authors can appoint an individual to take care of their literary estate uh, specifically. So it doesn't need to be the same person taking care of your whole estate. You can kind of tippy it up a little bit. Yeah, I think... Um succession planning is something that most people find difficult so i, I can't mm. imagine what it would be like for someone in that, in that kind of field where it's 100%. not so everything's not so tied down i suppose as it is in maybe some other um other areas so yeah really really interesting um and we've got uh, another we've actually got a uh, a guest today haven't we Liam? We do indeed. I'm very excited for this. Okay, so yeah, uh, and joining us today as well is um, Sophie Webb, who's uh, the head of our charities committee at RWH Good, and she's got some very exciting news about an upcoming charity event that we're holding in September. Hello. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. Um, so, yes, we are bringing back our Step Ahead Challenge 2022 um, this September for two, uh, two working weeks. Um, we are walking 130 miles between our offices in Bath and our office in London for our new four chosen charities. Um, for those of you that don't know, our chosen charities for 2021 to 23 are Centrepoint in London, uh, Trauma Breakthrough in Bath, 
Sobel House in Oxford and Swindon Food Collective in Swindon. Uh, it will be a relay style walk from Bath to London, stopping at each of our offices along the way over a course of 10 working days. It's about 15 to 20 miles a day. Um, so it's a challenge for many, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and what was it about the, um, the 2018 event that you kind of wanted to, to do it again? Yeah, so the, the 2018 event was uh, incredibly successful. We had 130 members of staff and partners participating. Uh, we raised just under £18,000 for our chosen charities. Right. Um, we found that the event itself was was really inclusive. We had a tendency to do our big events and, and then be focused on the, the athletic amongst us. And we were conscious that we wanted to um, embrace kind of our in inclusivity, our engagement and um, get everybody together. So um, hence the, the Step Ahead Challenge was born to kind of create a, a, an event that many people feel that they could participate in, mm. um, which we managed to succeed in in 2018. Yeah, yeah. And and what is it about the the charities that we've we've chosen um for each of our offices? Can you can you tell us a bit about like why we might have chosen these ones in particular? Yeah, of course. Um there tends to be a kind of a theme coming out of the charities that are chosen every couple of years. So a couple of years ago we um a lot of our char chosen charities were in relation to mental health. This time around there's a bit of a, di a kind of a sense of um homelessness so center points focuses on youth homelessness trauma breakthrough focuses on um, people that have suffered significant trauma in their lives whether that be a bereavement or um, things like sexual abuse um, and sober house focuses on um, palliative end of life end of life care mm -hmm. and swindon food collective is a is a food bank so a, a bit of a variety of um, charities that were chosen this year but certainly focusing on kind of supporting uh, the people in our local communities and the um, the main real issues in those local communities whether that be homelessness or um, yeah. you know palliative care for example yeah so those kind of more more local charities that people might not otherwise yeah. have heard of, you know, not yeah. just the the bigger ones that ever everyone maybe has heard of and donates to already. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it sounds um, like a fantastic event. Um, I'm sure plenty of people will be signing up um, to do it. How how can people donate if they want to do that? Yeah, so um, people can donate uh, via our fundraising link. It's on the bottom of our um emails it's on all our social media so it will just take you directly to our fundraising link and you can just directly fundraise there or uh, staff and partners when they do sign up for the challenge um, have got a hard copy uh, fundraising page as well so they can print that off and collect um, money uh, donations in the old-fashioned way as well great stuff thanks very much welcome Thank you very much for listening to this maybe slightly disjointed but kind of overview episode of Legal Thinking. Rest assured we'll be back to our usual schedule next week and the week after that. If you enjoyed this or if you've enjoyed any of our previous episodes, uh, do make sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and similarly, just to remind you about the Step Ahead Challenge again, you can find more about that on uh, the social media channels of RWK Goodman or if you have an email from any of us, you can find all about it in the email signature there. That is the Step Ahead Challenge from RWK Goodman. Yep, thanks Thanks for the extra plug there. So yeah, make sure to subscribe, give us a rating um, as well. And yeah, thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.